0: of chronic relief (laughs) I have uh, my girl here Alex Powers comedian Alex Powers uh, who just came from the courthouse she said she was like sorry I'm gonna be late but you didn't know that I'm on stoner time so I'm I I don't start on time um so welcome to the podcast
1: i'm just nodding my head yeah no i uh
0: welcome thanks for making it thanks Thanks for for not bailing yeah thanks for having me thanks for Um, like not calling me to
1: bail you out yeah i was just about to say even though i was definitely bailing no it's not me i also just found out that my girlfriend's car which has been parked under my garage for the last two months while she's been at home in bulgaria was keyed and i wish i had known that before i filed the report for the restraining order because i'm pretty sure it's the same individual
0: You filed a restraining order against... That's comfortable. Are we allowed to talk about this? Who
1: gives a shit? I
0: love it. My my girlfriend's car
1: just got keyed. So wait,
0: what's going on? Who are you filing restraining orders against?
1: An old friend who used to live in my place who... Did I meet this friend? I don't know. Yeah, you did when I lived in the mansion. Which one? The big fat piece of shit.
0: You're filing a restraining order? Yeah. Why? Um, Are you allowed to talk about
1: it? Yeah, he's like harassing me and stuff. He's threatening to, like, sue me, my family. I know he had access to my email address and all that stuff for, like, months. And, Dude. yeah, I think, I think he just keyed Victoria's car. For like, what reason? For what reason? I mean, we don't have to talk about this on I either. mean, like, why is he suing me? Yeah, what's the deal? Why'd he go crazy? Well, he's crazy because he's an alcoholic. I'm pretty sure he's in an alcohol-induced psychosis. The man drinks like a fifth of vodka every day. I don't know why he's suing me. There's no reason for him to sue me, but I'm sure that the reason That's where are. you just came from was the courthouse. Yeah, to file a restraining order. Because apparently he called my parents who are like retired, elderly, and like in declining health. He, <sighs> he called them yesterday threatening to sue them. Um, so he's Your like. Your life is a soap opera. It's never this dramatic and chaotic. But this guy. So he, he, he texts me and my landlord the other day and he's like starting tomorrow I'm going to commence daily random inspections of the property. I'm like you voluntarily vacated on December 13th and haven't lived there. Paid a cent of rent since or even before that. Wait where are you living? The same place that I've been? No no no. Um, you're talking about the the mansion. Yeah, most I moved. Uh, I moved into a townhouse. Like that. That guy October. also owns. No, he doesn't own it. I oh, just okay. found a rental. was okay. renting a townhouse. Okay. But yeah, people are fucking crazy. Alcoholics, man. Alcoholics. I just celebrated yeah. 5 years sober. I
0: know. Congratulations. Thank you. No, we um okay, so like my podcast, I don't did I ever tell you what this is about? No, I don't Sorry. know. I don't
1: know what I'm he- I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> here. I don't even Sorry, know. Sorry. I, I should have briefed you. I'm
0: the worst podcast uh host in history. But this is my podcast called Chronic Relief From? where uh we talk about comedy, uh mental health, and oh, then I should totally be on this. A little bit of cannabis, okay. which, you know, as we just talked about year 5 years sober but yeah but i'm like a, fine. i'm like a perpetual stoner but that's what i'm saying is like you don't have to be a stoner to come on the podcast i just want to know what you know your experience is with it but mainly i really like to talk about is mental health okay because that's what i've been trying to kind of focus on because i feel like it's such a taboo topic that people have not us per se but like people have a hard time talking about And I think that the more people talk about it and the more that, um, you know, we get people like comedians and people who are, um, you know, public figures, you know, opening up about their own history and struggle with it um, just by creating a conversation is helpful for other people to kind of like, you know, be honest with themselves about because we all have mental health i think that's the thing that people don't realize is yeah you may never suffer from depression or experience anxiety but it's a certain point in your life um you you probably will you'll experience you know fucking mental health and like people don't i don't think people um i don't think people take enough pride in taking care of themselves in that way. Right. If that makes sense, because it's seen as exactly. And I'm just so sick of um, the stigma and I want to be having more honest conversations and just people feel comfortable opening up with their struggles or no, I don't even like to say struggles because it's like everyone has mental health. Like I don't like to say I struggle with depression. I live with depression. I've had it since I was a child. And so um, basically, you know, what is your, your experience with mental health? Cause I get like, not everyone struggles or, or not everyone lives with it personally, but they have with lived with someone or, you know, know someone who has struggled with it or, right.
1: you know, lives with it. Right. Well, I mean, first of all, I'm of the opinion that you know, addiction, alcoholism is a mental health. Right. Illness. I, I, I do believe it's a mental illness. Mm-hmm. A lot of alcoholics that are, you know, self-diagnosed alcoholics and they feel comfortable identifying as such or as addicts don't feel comfortable it, labeling it as a mental illness. But um, <clears throat> for me, I have no problem because I can't think of how else to characterize it. You're, right. like, putting a substance in your body that's killing you. and Essentially. You have, and you have no restraint over it. Um, or, like, you know, very little. So I'm like, how is that not a mental... Illness, especially when like mechanically I think it's characterized by an overactive amygdala. You're talking about an issue with like the frontal cortex sending messages to the amygdala to calm down. Because these are all
0: chemicals and right. some people are born with more chemicals or can or their body High can, stress hormone production,
1: exactly. high cortisol production. so
0: Or low, low cortisol, exactly like. Right. Which can cause,
1: um, st- you know, stress and anxiety or yeah. whatever. Um, I think like. So, like, I mean, I, in that regard, like, absolutely, I'm mentally ill. Um, I also think at one point, and this is very important you know, for me personally to mention because it's a newer revelation and I've had my own stigma against borderline personality disorder. Like, I work in behavioral health. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know that. Currently? Um, yeah. In, like, a in like a contractor kind of basis. Okay, cool. Um, what I, do you do? I can't actually. It's kind of confidential. Okay. I work for, like... Um, I've worked for a private intervention company. Okay, cool. Um, so I have like private clients Mm -hmm. that, you know, are on various, like, you know, the spectrum of mental illnesses and a lot of comorbid diseases, meaning like coexisting, like more than one, like, so two and one in one person. So whether they're an addict and then they're also bipolar or they're, Borderline personality disorder and bipolar, or like borderline personality disorder and anorexic, whatever it is, right? So it's interesting hearing conversations about people that work in mental health and work in behavioral health talking about the, the way they talk about people with borderline personality disorder, and I never it's very negative, and also I think I'm not sure statistically, but I think more women overwhelmingly are diagnosed as borderline that
0: was what i was like last diagnosed with yeah and i was bpd
1: i was misdiagnosed with it i believe but like when i was like i had a suicide attempt when i was 19 so this is like this is like right before i got sober the first time right before i started doing comedy and i think that you know i was in a psych ward so they needed to diagnose me with something they needed some reasonable explanation as to well why did this girl try to kill her like what was Mm -hmm. she doing there so they diagnosed me with bipolar disorder rapid cycling which no longer exists in the in the dsm See,
0: i think i was misdiagnosed bipolar but possibly could be borderline personality i don't know i just think that like <laughs> well every, every i don't really know anymore
1: you every know? mental i uh, know seriously and plus like it keeps changing in the dsm so like i was diagnosed borderline or bipolar rapid cycling and borderline No one ever explained to me what borderline personality disorder was. No one. And so I went through my entire adult life. And first of all, those two diagnoses were basically negated within a year or two by a mental health care professional that wasn't working in a psych ward in in a, you know, kind of lower socioeconomic hospital in Baltimore City. Right. You know, so they were like, yeah, we don't really think this is valid. I was medicated and then I under supervision went off medication very responsibly. Um, like I said, with the supervision of yeah. like a psychiatrist. That's how
0: I came off all my pharmaceuticals was the
1: and same I, way. And I never had an incident since then of any. First of all, I never exhibited signs of mania, but I always had a history of depression and like slight anxiety, also OCD tendencies. I, I am, I'm not OCD. I don't think legitimately, but like I, I have the. Yeah, my parents are hoarders. I grew up in a hoarded right. environment, so I'm very triggered by mess.
0: Right. That's fair. Yeah. That's from trauma. I have trauma. From your childhood. That's not because you're like that. You know what I mean?
1: And I have multiple childhood traumas. Abandonment trauma, you know, emotional like enmeshment trauma, the hoarding trauma. But that's the
0: thing. You know, what's insane is borderline personality. They're saying is trauma from it comes from trauma from, you know, your parents who are saying you're it's wrong to feel to be, emot- you know, like your feelings are, in, like that's a way that you can, someone can develop borderline personality disorders through the household or their parents telling them like it's wrong to have feel, you know, when they push the feelings down, which I think is like how I kind of got it was because, you know, my parents just weren't like that. They yeah. weren't like, um, you know, warm, affectionate or like talk about your, you know, they were always sending me to like a professional, you know, so yeah, yeah. it was like. It was kind of fucked up. Plus, like, they're legal professionals. Right. They put criminals in. They're cold. Exactly. Exactly. I don't even know your parents, but, like, I know that. Yeah. So it's like you know they weren't they weren't terrible people that's just like i think from their parent you know yeah it's just how they
1: were my parents didn't have the emotional right. intellect to teach me how to communicate it's jews man jews <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's in our culture which you know i don't know a bit part culture because then i think of israelis are very warm and family oriented mm-hmm. and whatever but they there is that like i don't know i think like american jews are just like super fucked up well, you know which I is why
1: we- you know i wasn't even raised jewish you weren't. No, I'm adopted.
0: Yeah, that I I didn't yeah. want to I didn't want to mention that on but air. But my if you didn't, mother, I, I my remember mother that. is
1: very neurotic, like a Jew.
0: Your adopted parents are yeah. Jewish.
1: No, my bi- my biological father is Jewish. Okay. So I had to convert later in life to Judaism. Yeah. Um, what by, did you grow choice. up? I grew up in Baltimore, but I was my parents went sent me to Catholic school.
0: Okay, so you were raised Catholic. So that's honestly was. why I'm so fucked up, dude. I was raised Jewish. But went to Catholic school. Yeah, my senior year, or my freshman year of high school. It's so funny. And then Lutheran school. Yeah, that's it's all religion is also a mental <laughs> illness. You can already mental illness inducing uh, possibly. It's just an impression. I think it's just a tool of oppression that um, you know, can can trigger because pe- it's like a form of control and
1: you know anything that doesn't fit. Well, speaking of mental illness and religion, what is it with crazy people? getting like t- like having these spiritual experiences because that's a whole drugs. phenomenon in itself probably drugs dude I was in the Seven <laughs> Eleven the other day and I'm standing behind this like young tweaker he's it's like 7 a.m. I'm getting coffee he's got a four loco in his hand right I know he's is a- he single oh I'm yeah you want me to get I got, <laughs> yeah I got his info so I'm standing behind this dude and I'm just I had this intuitive thought in my mind and mm-hmm. I just thought like please don't turn around oh, and start no. talking to me about Jesus. Sure enough, he turns around 30 seconds after I had the thought and he's like, yo, can I talk to you about Jesus, bro? And I was like, nah, man, I'm good. And he was like, yo, and he's just going off about Jesus. And I was like, look, dude, I'm Jewish. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure I have more in common with Jesus than you ever have. Yeah. yeah. And he goes off on me, bro. He starts banging his chest. He's like, yo, Jesus is in my heart, bro. He's in my heart. Ain't nobody closer to Jesus than me. And I was like, oh, yeah. I pointed at his four loco. I was like, does he keep you sober? <laughs> oh, man. And then Did he, he attack tried attack you? He tried to attack me with love. No. He tried to profusely apologize because you roasted him. I did right there in the Seven Eleven.
0: Man, maybe uh, just like the maybe fried That chicken. was
1: his come to Jesus moment. He tried. He tried to. Cause I'm. See, that's the thing. I'm crazy enough that I will engage with crazy people. No, you can't. I know, but like, there's a part of me
0: that's that's a, the comedian side, though. That you're like, here's the crowd work in me. <laughs> that muscle. Yeah, of, it's like, like it's like prepping for hecklers. So, what's your name? Where are you from? <laughs> what brings you to uh, What brings you to the show tonight? Um, mm-hmm. So. So you you've been you said you celebrated 5 years somewhere and I f- I remember you telling me this story when we hung out over the summer when we were pulling it up in Los Feliz um mm. kind of how like you know you've been you've been in comedy for a while now mm. and you were one of the first people who like believed in my talents <laughs> No but like I I I look up to you I've always like um No, I just like, I, I love you. I think you're dope. I think you're hilarious. And I see you as like a really, you know, as like a a strong female, not female, but like a strong comp, you know what I mean? Like I look up to you as a, Comedian, That's sweet. Rachel. I always believed. In I'm you. trying to. I'm trying to like give you compliments, but as you can see, I'm very. I'm it's, horrible it's at too, it. the the emotional intimacy involved in that <laughs> is just so uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. I'm uncomfortable for I'm sorry, you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I can't. G- I can't. I don't know how to say it without. I can tell. Sounding how like uncomfortable an, yeah, yeah. No. No. It's not uncomfortable. I just like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It's hard for me to find the right words. Also, I'm stoned. But like, I really just. W- I, you. I'm grateful for you because you just. Um, you like put me on. So.
1: Yeah, Uh, dude. I always thought you were funny. Um, and that's sweet of you to acknowledge that and to say nice things about me. Well, yeah. I mean
0: like I've just, I've watched you on stage and just like, I see the, the way you make, you know, you can turn, I just think you're a brilliant joke writer and a brilliant performer. So thanks girl. And
1: things are going well for you, which makes me happy.
0: Yeah. Things are dope. You know, I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm, uh, going through a breakup so there's that yeah you told me that a
1: while ago is that breakup still going on well it's that was like breakup. that was like
0: the beginning of the end mm. um, but it's like over now and
1: yeah I mean just fucking focusing
0: on comedy and and you know doing this podcast and kind of like trying to get through it <laughs> I, guess. I hear you but um, yeah I uh, yeah but things are alright you know like I I um I'm just keep moving forward. That's all I can do. Taking it one day at a time, isn't that what they say in the the programs? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not a program person. I did go to a program when I was 17 though, a lockdown. Like a 12-step program? No, 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 no. Like it was like a it was like one of those boarding schools for like troubled youth. I call it a lockdown cuz there were bars on the windows. <laughs> um <laughs> and it was in Utah. And if you oh, ran. Yikes.
1: That's scary. Was it Mormons? Was it, it was Mormon all ran one? by Mormons. Wow. But yeah. Wow. And if you ran, so they So your would Jewish parents you. sent you to a. They were like,
0: we will try anything. Literally, Jesus.
1: They sent you. Wow. So they sent. Well, I mean, Christianity, like, you know, Jesus was a rabbi. Christianity is just the first iteration of reformed Judaism. Yeah. They but were but just is, willing to try anything. That's so funny that your Jewish parents sent you to a Mormon run like treatment program. But before that,
0: Utah. it was also I was in a Lutheran school and a Catholic school. Dude, that's fucked up. They'd try anything. That's you know? so fucked up. So yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I turned out better than anyone <laughs> than pretty much everyone else. So at least I'm I'm thankful for that. And I think it does make sense when people are like, Yeah, she got into comedy. Um yeah. for for whatever. But um so when how is like how is with dealing when you how has co- that affected your comedy like not affected but like how does sobriety like, <laughs> no like <laughs> no like the your like anxiety and depression like how do you you know if you don't do you ever feel like Ugh, I, I can't get out of bed I have shows or is it
1: I I need these shows they make me feel better this is my release um well to be honest I haven't really like I haven't <sighs> experienced depression in the way that I did when I was an adolescent and like a pretty much my entire adulthood since I got sober five years ago I have not really experienced depression the way I historically did do you think that was because of the alcohol obviously I mean it is a depressant I just think that like I had never I had never had a recovery experience like this time around like obviously i've I've stayed sober for five years so like i my recovery is like something were been... you
0: doing comedy when you weren't sober yeah how is that how has your sobriety affected your comedy
1: um well i'm a better comic so but sure no doubt um yeah. do you still perform any jokes that you wrote when you weren't sober absolutely all the time yeah the, a lot of them have changed a lot of them have been like rewritten augmented um expanded upon but I mean I think that um I mean like I do I do have like a I'm not really an anxious person though either but like I have been lately okay so like to give you some context I will say that the last year year and a half or so has been I've experienced levels like degrees of anxiety and depression that like are new to me in sobriety okay Um, and I definitely, unfortunately though, as, as much as I love performing and I love being on stage, I love making people laugh. I'm more likely to be like, if I'm going through, like if I'm hyper stressed, or I have some, you know, in my depression and anxiety, by the way, like, A, it's very short lived. So I have a hard time even calling it depression. Like right. It might be like two days. Okay. Like I give myself a day in bed. Whereas like it used to be weeks and weeks or even months. Like I would have depressive episodes. You right. Know? That's my recollection of depression, you know, as a younger person. Right. Um, so you mainly experienced it as a as a kid, as a yeah, as a child, adolescent and young adult. Definitely. And and I and I medicated with you know alcohol and drugs right but um now it's like do you think comedy has helped i have no idea i have no idea like people i mean i'm sure i guess i think because it's an
0: outlet i guess to find humor within the uh, the struggle or i guess or not the struggle but the pain
1: i had a shaman tell me once he was like this is like the Cause I see a shaman every week. I think you know that. Mm-hmm. But then I also see this one guy once a year, and it's so funny. The last time I think I talked about this on a podcast was a podcast down here <laughs> in, the, in the comedy store, and it was um, it was Anna Valenzuela's podcast, which she does about recovery. Okay. So it's not it's not too like a similar topics either. Yeah. But um, this shaman who I go and see once a year. The last time I went to see him I, or the first time I went to see him, I, I really wanted to, like, quit smoking. That's not the intention. That's not the reason why I went, but it was, like, part of the intention of going. And he was like, oh, well, you know, um, being adopted, he was like, homelessness and uh, nicotine are your only connection to your birth mother. And I was like, that's so interesting because she was, you know, smoking a pack a day when she was pregnant with me. And so I like literally was addicted to nicotine when I was, I was full term. I weighed four pounds, like five ounces. So I have this um, birth defect in my chest, my sternum bone and caves in and it pushes my ribs out. And he was like, yeah, that's a physical manifestation of your heart chakra being like your heart chakra is like, fucked. you have this like massive abandonment trauma, right? You had a very traumatic nine months in utero. Because um, the woman was homeless and th- therefore so were you. You started your life homeless and addicted to nicotine. And um, he was like, you know, the the indentation is a physical manifestation of that like spiritual or energetic, you know, right. wound essentially. And he was like, laughter is the sound of the heart chakra. You've gravitated towards a profession that makes people laugh um, and to elicit that sound because you're trying to get your heart chakra to turn, okay. to move. So it makes sense. So, I mean, like, I think energetically, yeah, it does help. But, I, you know, I always had, we all derive, like, the immediate gratification as comics of making a room full of people laugh. But um, for me, like, true relief came when I realized it wasn't about me and it wasn't about my own well-being Is that and that I was there, like, being of service to other people. Right. Um, so, like, aligning myself behind the purpose of... Making people happy and um, making people remember everything's okay and that they're fine and that we can process information and deal with it when we're presented uh, with it in terms that can make us laugh. Like you that's, do that
0: on and off the stage if you think about that. Yeah, That's absolutely. what you do in
1: your profession as well. Yeah, I mean, the, for me, uh, my my life on stage and my life off stage had to um line up coincide yeah Yeah. they definitely had to like be a mirror of each other I mean I'm, I'm much more satirical on stage and like ironic and kind of an asshole but um yeah the purpose is the same so yeah I think in that regard like having this sense of purpose like oh wow I can actually positively impact other people and like in in mass quantities has been the most positive You know thing I've derived from comedy It's very healthy Nothing helps a person feel better More so than being of service to other people
0: Right That's what they say Like if you're That's one of
1: the things they say If you're feeling depressed Go be of service to others Because Go help someone else It's a natural
0: way to feel better
1: Because it's a thing of low self-esteem You know Mm -hmm. like And it's not just addiction or alcoholism or depression or like, but but codependence, like codependence is an inherent belief that you are a belief that you are inherently too immature to take care of yourself. Right. Like we all have this low self-esteem. Well, we look on the outside instead of looking within. Right. So like what creates self-esteem, esteemable acts. Right. Helping someone else absolutely Mm boost your Mm self-esteem because it's That's like why everyone's all that's the thing about
0: like we you know society is like self-care self-care and then we like make fun of it but it's like so important i think to have moments of self-care and to make to have acts of things that um make you feel better because it's
1: vulnerable people Mm -hmm. are terrified of being vulnerable and if you're taking care of yourself you're acknowledging that there's a problem that you want to fix right but i terrifying yeah.
0: and i think that it's um there's almost like a trend in feeling shitty almost you know that negative like outlook it's like that existential you know like there's people who you know it, it's a type of humor i guess you know but i also think that it's important to manifest positive things into your life and to um and like it's all about how you look at things
1: right well, we started off the conversation talking about borderline personalities. Yeah,
0: well, well yeah, because you were saying you're witnessing a lot of f- females being diagnosed.
1: Well, I work with a lot of so, like, I didn't C- ever, before we get into that. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: Can you save this? Because I was literally ha- like, uh, ke- like I want to talk about this because I had this conversation the other day with someone where. I was talking about how I was diagnosed ADHD when I was five and I took Ritalin and Adderall. And like, you know, when I was 12, I was diagnosed bipolar, put on lithium. Like I've had a very intense mental health history growing up. Mm -hmm. And the person I was speaking to was like, well, what were you, you know, like, what, what were you doing that caused them to like want to medicate you so bad? And I was like, you know, like, I don't think I was like, I, you know, I would act, I was a, I would like act out in a sense of like I was always talking I was a disruption like I was you know I couldn't sit still and they were like well I was like that and I was like yeah but you were a guy Hmm. and it's like almost normal for you guys to behave like that for women we're supposed to be obedient and like you know uh, controlled and subservient and like I just was never like that I was a
1: a boy that has ADD is just being a boy it's just being rambunctious
0: but I was mentally ill that's what I was right. labeled as as a, right. from a very young age, well, but I wasn't. I was a good. I was a. I was a good kid. I was smart. You know, I just acted out.
1: Yeah, um, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is one of the things about BPD. So, like, like I said, I never knew what it was. I knew that a doctor said I had it. Never understood what that meant.
0: Isn't it fucked up? They'll just be like, "You're this," but you're like, "Okay, well, what is that?" And they won't even explain it to you, dude. And they don't even put the emphasis on. It's like I've been diagnosed so many different things, but there was no empowering moment where they were like, you need to educate yourself on this. Well,
1: So here's the other thing. So like my experience working in behavioral health and I and I said that my observation is that a lot of mental health care professionals and like colleagues of mine and also I was just in D.C. I was working, I was, I I met a comic who works also kind of in a adjacent, like whatever. She was like, I hear people at the National Institute of Mental Health or whatever the organization is in D.C., talking about people with borderline personality disorder disorder like they're like dregs of humanity there is a stigma against BPD I never and I was like a part of it I was like yeah man people with BPD wig me out I knew that I was told I had it but I never I always just was also told by another healthcare professional that it was a misdiagnosis yeah so when I started working in behavioral health or working in treatment after I got sober I started to I would be introduced to people that had it and, like I'd be working at a treatment center and they'd be like, okay, this client has BPD and I, I, w- I would have their behaviors that were consistent with BPD pointed out to me and I'd be like, oh, that's what that is. That is creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. And so I started to feel really wigged out when I was around people that had borderline personality disorder. And even as recently as like a couple months when I was working for this intervention company, and they were talking to me about some of their clients and past experience with clients that had BPD, all of whom were women. They'd be like, yeah, you can't trust them. They use any information you give them against you. Like they're like, like, um, master manipulators and da da da. And they would tell me all these things. And I'm like, okay, what about, what about the dudes? And they'd be like, Oh, the worst thing a guy's going to do is maybe hit you. And I was like, okay. So a male client undergoing an intervention you know in a treatment program he might get violent but that's okay that's manageable but a female client that has borderline personality your mind she'll fuck your mind (laughs) and then one day because I have been experiencing depression and anxiety more so than the last five years like in recent months and kind of just mood swings that were remarkable to me I decided to go back and like look at the criteria of BPD and I looked at it and I was like oh my gosh I can totally see how I keyword was borderline personality. But it's a it's it's historical. Mm-hmm. I have transmuted all those behaviors successfully through treatment right. through trauma therapy. I don't I don't anymore because these are all behaviors. It's not a chemical thing. It's it's a behavior. behavioral thing. Yeah, and
0: le- behavior is learned.
1: And I have, and you can unlearn these. You can modify them. And yes, you can unlearn. And I've been reparenting myself for the last year and a half. So now all of a sudden, I like feel really bad that people, particularly women with borderline personality disorder, are really like the spotlight shines so brightly on them as being these all like it's a horrible disorder to deal with right I
0: think you it's just it's the way we approach mental health in this country is just so toxic and like there's really it's like they're left we're just like left to fend for ourselves but that's the thing is like so many mental health affects so many different people and a lot of it It's easier for people to throw medication at something they don't understand than to like have to re-educate an adult or like, you know, someone, you know, and and tell them everything you thought you knew was wrong with how you function in the world. So, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, how, you know, what will happen over time because I also think a lot of people, particularly women, and at least people of our generation are victims of like the medication generation where we got, um, just manipulated. Right. Our parents were manipulated by the pharmaceutical industries. You know, I took so many medications growing up like, heavy, like lithium at 12, which is, that's wild. So insane. I don't even think they prescribe you, that percobain? anymore. I know. Like it's hell? just like, I couldn't even, my brain, like it's like, and, and that's the thing I was talking about this on the podcast before, um, I don't know if you've heard about this yes, this yet, but like I've been, I can't stop thinking about yesterday. There was this podcast that came out about Britney Spears. Apparently she's being like held against her will in a mental institution since January. And there's this like podcast that came out about it yesterday. And it kind of, it didn't like trigger me in a sense of like, I'm triggered, but it was like, holy shit, you know, like this is what can happen to someone she was refusing to take her medication. And her dad said, if you don't take your medication, I'm going to cancel your residency in Vegas. And that's what happened. Right. Wow. And so like, but like from like what people were seeing over time, it seemed as if cause she has her dad is her conservator. So he can't, he makes all of her personal decisions for her, but it looked like as if she was trying to take steps to like get her life back in in control of her life. Like she was trying to hire lawyers and like whatever. And her dad's very sick and dying. And so it's like, Lawyers are basically in charge of her life and people who like only look at her as a cash cow. So it's just insane to see, you know, what can happen because when you have a conservative, when someone's in, they can force you to take a medication against your will. And they were, I was listening to these two comedians talk about, you know, it on a podcast, which is, that's an issue of consent.
1: You know, I was just talking uh, to someone about this recently this issue of like Liberty mm-hmm. and mental health, because like Liberty is what we value in this country more than anything, even though Liberty is, you know, but you are going off the opinion ways.
0: of one doc of a doctor. Like I saw doctors going up that saw me for 15 minutes in a, in a brief moment in my life that I was like, going through as a kid which is tough you know <laughs> here's the and problem that's what they say is there's no blood test but here i am. they're like yeah she's mentally ill it's like no
1: bro i grew up in a toxic situation <laughs> here's the problem and this might be very controversial a person even if they're struggling with mental illness but a person who's sane enough to understand that they need help and that they want to receive treatment and consent to such treatment and like get better is going to sign the paperwork. Mm -hmm. A person, you know, giving, you know, basically signing away their rights. A person who is actually more well is going to do that. Yeah. Not the person who's absolutely insane. So the person who is really not capable of making healthy decisions for themselves or their own well-being or, you know, making decisions regarding their treatment or recovery, that person is going to refuse to sign anything that's going to force an institution or a family member or conservator like that like to like they're going to they're they're not going to resign themselves to being forced fully given medication. They're going to refuse medication at every stop. Like so it's it's a very complicated it's s- complicated because it's like maybe at one point in your life you weren't able to you weren't in
0: a mental capacity to make a decision for yourself but I feel like you can't I guess what it was is it the conservatorship was like supposed to only last a certain while and and then like it was supposed to be up and then when it was up it got extended hmm. and so like can you like she can't even, she can't go out she can't do anything she can't drive
1: and anyone that's ever been in a psych ward knows that when you're well enough to not be in a psych ward and being in a psych ward just insane. makes you crazy yeah.
0: it's insane and that's what like it's literally just like the craziest um thing that I've heard in a while because I also like I I, I've been in a psych ward yeah and I know yeah like it's it's also just like I think there is something to be said about women it's it's like if you're a woman you know and we're emotional because I even got it from my dad a little bit growing up like anytime I would call him if I was emotional or upset it would be like are you taking your medication which is so cruel to say when you're just trying to have a conversation with your parent
1: about something that you're like, I about. don't have a container for your yeah. emotions. And therefore so, if you're being emotional, and you're that's not what I'm well. saying.
0: And I feel like that's, that's the pharmaceutical industry right. in a nutshell. It's like,
1: Oh, you have uh, your, the name of your podcast is chronic relief. Look at how the pharmaceutical industry has, and then the trajectory of what it will have, the relationship it will have with CBD well yeah i already that's i mean do you use cbd i don't need to i don't yeah. have my anxiety or my depression isn't remarkable enough but like there are joint issues and muscular like there's no reason what are your for thoughts on people in CBD. recovery taking cbd it's not psychoactive so you're cool with it Abs- absolutely like even that. if it even if it has tr- and this is the thing about medical grade cbd Having that like trace amount of THC eradicated isn't helpful. The, the tra- you have to have a yeah. low
0: amount of THC. It's, and it has that's, to activate know, the I, CBD. I know. I educate people, a lot of people on this a lot, because uh, even my own mom who has never smoked weed a day my in her life. My mother is
1: taking CBD right now. She's
0: using CBD with a little bit of low low grade THC because she knows you have to have that to activate, activate the CBD. Activate the CBD, yeah. And that's just like how it most effectively works if you want to, you know, experience relief. So, um... I mean, I am just grateful that I was able to come off pharmaceuticals. Like, and that's the other thing that I, I never want to encourage people to do what I do. I encourage them to do find what works for them. And I can only like talk about my own experience, but like I made that choice when I was 24 to come off pharmaceuticals with like the guidance of a doctor and a professional and second opinions because they were the ones that are like we don't think you're this we don't think you're that whatever and i was like you know if i'm gonna have depression like for me it's like triggered by something it's never yeah mine is always triggered by an external factor right always but it's like i definitely notice it's crazy around my cycle and like i get like heavy thoughts
1: you want to know something about your cycle so do tell okay so this is, and this is again. This goes into this whole like anti-feminism. Spiritual? Oh, well, it's it's fit. It's physics. it's ba- you know. So brain waves they can actually measure. So you have like alpha, beta brain waves, which is like our most con- like when we're in our conscious mind. Like those are the brain waves we met, and then like when you go into sleep mode and dream mode, and, the, and more into your subconscious, those you get into like theta brain waves. Right, mm-hmm. the brain waves that women. Emit about you know when the the week before their cycle, so like the week we're PMSing, our brainwaves totally go more towards theta. We're more tapped into our subconscious. We're essentially hyperintuitive. We're perceiving things we don't normally perceive right. because we're more rooted in our subconscious during that week, which is why we feel insane.
0: I literally feel insane. Yeah. Like for two weeks out of the month, I'm like, I'm an insane person. It's
1: literally because your brainwaves have changed and you're just simply more tapped into your subconscious mind than your conscious Ugh. mind. I'm like, that's all someone that is? just knock me out for two weeks? I get slightly paranoid during my period. And it, and it, but with legitimacy, like the things that I get paranoid about, like I maybe exaggerate them in my mind, but I'm always right. Yeah. I'm hyper but fucking your intuitive. Intuition. Yeah. I'm hyper intuitive when I'm, when I like the, when I'm PMSing. Hmm. Um, what else did I want to tell you though? Oh, just, yeah, but I I like CBD. I like CBD. I believe in CBD. I think that, you know, it has amazing medical, positive medical implications for people, for the world. And I'm really slightly eager, but also slightly like nervous to see how the pharmaceutical industry realizes that they, i'm interested to see how they um form a relationship with the cbd industry because they know they can't stop it as a profit machine Well, they're trying yeah but then it you know you get into issues of monopolizing and just yeah um Um. fucking everything up yeah for sure are we good on time yeah
0: we're great on time
1: um i do want to say this because i feel like i'd be irresponsible if i did yeah as a sober person, and mm-hmm. I used to smoke a fuck ton of weed, Rachel. Like mm-hmm. people still think I'm a stoner. <laughs> You've heard me laugh, yeah. <laughs> um, look, uh, uh, I do think one can be addicted to marijuana, and I think because there is this st- lack of stigma now around around yeah. marijuana because it's getting you know. Legalized left and right mm-hmm. and recreational, blah, blah. People don't think of marijuana even as dangerously as they think of alcohol.
0: Well, if you do, I mean, like, I do think about that often because, as someone in the industry, like, I, I'm, as like someone who's like looked as a figure in the cannabis space, I do take issue with like overconsumption. And I feel like I sometimes play a part in that culture because it is a, there's this like culture of overconsumption, like smoke weed every day. I mean, it's like, you know what I mean? And for me, it's like, I don't know if that's the message I necessarily want to be pushing,
1: you know what I mean? And whether it is or it isn't, that's why I'm here, yeah, uh, Uncle Alex is here <laughs> to tell everyone that yes, you absolutely can be addicted to smoking weed, and um, you've got to remember these strains these days this is not the weed that our grandparents were smoking yeah it is in fact you can be a fucking organic all the way whole foods vegan Mm -hmm. and like i smoke pot because it's great well that weed you're smoking chances are are the most genetically modified genetically engineered thing you're putting in your body it's so potent now and the fucking dabs what the hell is
0: that shit yeah i'm not big into the dabs um that shit is wild Yeah. I think that that's the part of the culture that kind of plays into like the negative stereotypes where like people get empowered to say shit about weed. It doesn't like help the cause necessarily. But like for me, it's like, like anything else, you know, you got to find what works for you. And if it's, if it's preventing you from, you know, getting your shit done and like it's becoming like, uh, an issue in your life, then yeah, it's, it's reached addiction love you know what yeah. I mean that's when it becomes harmful yeah I mean, you know what yeah. I'm saying like I think you know I'm not going to judge a person who comes home and has a glass of wine every night do I I don't find that healthy for me I'd wake up like depressed every day mm-hmm. even just with one glass but like I smoke way more than that you know what I mean <laughs> and so I just like I but I do like I as I get older and you know I'm like I don't want to be smoking so much during the day you know like I really want to shit to do you want to like do shit I mean like I really I really want to use it in its most medicinal way you know but I also I don't want to feel guilty either like I I'm tired like I went through so much of that growing up because I was on a lot of medications so for me it is a medicine you know and I just like I found I got to find what works for it me. it is
1: the healthiest alternative to most things but True. for those of you out there dabbing you're the reason why people are calling potheads drug addicts yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> you tell them Alex Powers
1: I can tell you because um, I don't give a shit what you think about me no it. I love it um
0: <laughs> you're amazing Thanks and so much um, for having me always can you tell people where they can find you
1: uh yeah you can follow me on instagram at alex powers live same thing for twitter facebook all that's alex powers live my website alexpowerslive.com and i have tour dates there you can check cool
0: well um love you lots and thank you so much and this has been another episode of chronic relief follow me at wolfie memes and at wolfie comedy